We'll take our text this morning from just one verse in Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse fifteen. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. This is probably one of my favorite verses, especially during this time of the year. It's not one of my favorites just because it's short and easy to memorize, but it's very powerful. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You know, when we think of Christmas, often part of that tradition is giving and receiving of gifts. The, I guess, Christian tradition of giving and exchanging gifts around this time of the year is believed by many to began sometime in the 1800s, but gifts are given for many different reasons. There's different type of gifts. There's those practical gifts. Kids don't have much use for those practical gifts. They would rather have toys than clothes or things like that, but there's the extravagant gifts or the expensive gifts. Some gifts are homemade. Others are purchased or store-bought. Some gifts are personal. Some are impersonal. Sometimes if a vendor wants to get a company's business, they'll send a gift package or something to that company, but it's, it's kind of an impersonal gift. Gifts are given for different occasions, not just at Christmas, but we know birthdays, anniversaries, graduations, milestones, those are all Reasons to give gifts. Of course, we all know about last-minute gifts. Sometimes you may find yourself realizing you've forgotten somebody on your gift list or your list and you rush out trying to find a last-minute gift that doesn't appear to be a last-minute gift. You want them to at least think you were thinking about them and you didn't forget them, so sometimes we find ourselves in a place like that. Different gifts, different kinds of gifts. Do you know our Heavenly Father loves to bestow gifts? He tells us in His Word what kind of gifts He wants to give, and He does give. James 1 verse 17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father. Every good and every perfect gift comes from the Lord. Even those that aren't God's children, those that have rejected the Lord. Uh, many times the Lord allows them to prosper and have good things in their lives. Those gifts are from the Lord. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. God's gifts are diverse. It tells us that now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So we know the Lord gives different gifts to different people for different reasons. Every gift and talent is unique to that individual. You don't have to worry about getting somebody else's gift or somebody ending up with your gift. You know, God has a purpose in giving those gifts. 1 Corinthians 12.11 says, But all these worketh that one in the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So the Lord gives us gifts with the intention of us using those gifts. Gifts and calling of God are without Repentance. Of course, we know the greatest gift of all is salvation. God giving us His Son, Jesus Christ, as that perfect sacrifice for our sins. You know, a gift 
doesn't become ours until we accept it. You know, it might have been uh, purchased for us, but until we receive that gift, it really doesn't belong to us. But when Paul there was speaking about that unspeakable gift, that's what he was speaking about, about God sending his own son, Jesus Christ, into this world to pay that penalty for our sins, to purchase our redemption on that cross. You know, Paul could be very eloquent in his letters and he could craft a very well-written letter, but when it came to describing that gift, I think even Paul must have felt overwhelmed at what God had done for us by sending us his son Jesus, that unspeakable gift. This morning, with the Lord's help, I'd like us to consider what exactly God did for us. How far was he willing to go to reach humanity? You know, I think one of the most amazing things of all is the fact that God became man. It says his name shall be Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. God becoming a man. Think about that. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God became man. You know, God always longed to have a relationship with his creation, with his people. We see that clear back of the Garden of Eden. Uh, God had this beautiful relationship set up with man and before sin entered the world, it says that God would come down and he would commune with Adam and Eve there in the cool of the garden. That's how God had designed it. But tragically, we know when sin entered in, when mankind disobeyed God, we know that there was a separation that was created there. And as the years went on, that gulf became greater and greater. The Lord, even through the Old Testament, tried to reach out to his people, he would send prophets and signs and wonders, but that gulf uh, became so great. You know, man could never reach to where God was, but God could reach down to man. Aren't you thankful for that? Man will never become God. There are false religions that teach that man is a God, you can become a God. We know that's heresy. Man will never become God. Yet God could become a man. A perfect sinless man, for sure, but a man nonetheless. We know God, He took on human flesh, wrapped Himself in human flesh in the form of His own Son, Jesus Christ, and He came to dwell among us. We know, of course, in Christ, in His humanity, He never gave up His deity. He was always God. He never gave that up, but He was fully human. That's something... We have a hard time even comprehending. But you know, when he did that, the nature of God would finally be clear to all. Man could finally witness the love and mercy and compassion firsthand through God's Son, Jesus. They would finally know what mattered to God, the Heavenly Father. You know, in Christ's example, they could see a perfect model, a perfect uh, 
example of what life could truly be and what life was meant to be. Jesus often told his own disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we know that God becoming man, it was that Jesus was that perfect representation and example of who God was and what God expected and how we should live. Most importantly, the Word of God tells us that through Christ, we can be reconciled back to God. That word reconcile means to be put back in a right relationship. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto us. You know, part of the wonder isn't just in the fact that God came at all, but in how He came. In which manner, what manner He chose to come to earth. One man said he entered our world through a doorway called Bethlehem and the world was changed forever. You know, we've all probably heard of rags to riches stories, but this is a riches to rags story. That's what Christ did for us. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. He wasn't speaking about material blessings or anything like that. He was talking about the spiritual blessings, the richness and the fullness of Christ, the hope of eternal life. That was all given to us and brought to us through Jesus Christ. Not only did he come as a man, but he came as a baby. Think about that. God, the Creator, of the entire universe taking on human flesh and coming as a little, tiny, innocent, helpless little baby. That is amazing. It truly is. It's been said also, lots of babies have become kings, but only one king became a baby. It was Jesus. The Lord did that for us. You know, Christ's sacrifice would have not really meant as much if he had come to earth fully formed as a, as a fully grown man. Even if he would have went to the cross, it would have definitely been a huge sacrifice, but it would have lost something if he would have come as a man fully formed. Someone said, how could we follow his footsteps as a man if we hadn't seen him crawl as a child? Even though Christ was fully Divine, He was also fully human. And to show us that humanity, you know, he was willing to make the full sacrifice. He was willing to start from infancy all the way to adulthood. He started from the cradle all the way to that cross. You know, the Lord didn't bypass anything on his way to the cross. We read in the book of Hebrews, it tells us, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16 through 18, it says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted." Jesus knows exactly how you feel. The Lord knows every heartache, every trial you've ever faced. He knows every difficulty, every disappointment. 
because he willingly subjected himself to the very same things, the same rigors of life that all of us will face. What better way to show his love for mankind than to become a man and walk among us? Jesus did that for us, for you and for me. He's that high priest that's touched with the feelings of your infirmities. You know, when Jesus says, I know how you feel, he truly does know how you feel. Why would the Lord choose a stable or a manger? Couldn't God, the creator of the universe, provide a better or more suitable birthplace for his own son? Well, certainly he could have, but you know what? God does everything intentionally and by design. God chose a manger for a very specific purpose. You know, a manger is literally a food trough for animals. It's a place where livestock are fed. It's very dirty. It's unsanitary. Certainly not a place any of us would want our children to be born in and to be placed in. You know, sometimes you see a depiction of the nativity scene on a Christmas card, and I don't think it was anything like that. You know, the manger looked nice and pristine, Looked like a cozy little place there. The wise men and shepherds were both there at the same time. Even the animals were smiling most of the time. Some even had halos above their heads. I don't think that's the way it was. A manger, a stable, was a place where they kept livestock. It was dirty. It was filthy. It was the most humble place you could even imagine. Yet the Lord placed his child there, his own son, for a purpose. You know, in doing that, the Lord was able to identify with the very least of us. God sent a very strong message to the world. That message is the same today. You know what? The Lord is willing to go to any lengths to condescend to the lowest place, to reach humanity, no matter how obscure or filthy or unsanitary, or undesirable, unattractive, Jesus is willing to go there to transform that place. That's wonderful hope for us, all who were uh, bound by sin. The Lord, you know what? You're not out of the reach of God. The Lord is willing to go to great depths and to condescend to reach mankind. The only thing we need to do is to make room for Him. Jesus was placed in that stable, in that manger, because there was no room For him in the end, we need to make room in our hearts for the Lord. You know, no one is exactly sure where the actual location of that nativity took place. I read a little history about that. One theologian and historian said over the centuries, the site traditionally believed to be that of the stable has become a battlefield. Around A.D. 135, Emperor Hadrian erected a pagan temple over that site in an attempt to stamp out Christianity. Then in A.D. 335, two centuries later, Constantine pulled down that pagan temple and built a Christian church in its place. Later, the Persians knocked it down, and again, later, Christians came to rebuild it. It's been a a battlefield for centuries. It's ironic that the very place where Christ, that Prince of Peace, was believed to have been born has become a center for bloodshed and strife. 
But you know, that very sight just proves as to why we needed Jesus in the first place. The world needs that Prince of Peace. The world is in turmoil. That's why Jesus came to give us peace, to give us life, and to give it more abundantly. Do we really need to know where Jesus was born? I don't think that's important at all. It's been said the true cradle is in our hearts. That's where the Lord wants to take up his abode. Do you know what was done? Uh, whatever man can construct on that site, man can come along and tear it down and destroy it. But what the Lord brought us in that place on that day can never be destroyed. Centuries have come and gone, yet the story of Christmas and the hope of the Christmas message still lives on. They shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That message still rings true today. And you know what? When Jesus puts that salvation down in your heart, no man can take that from you. You know, even though our first picture of Christ is as a tiny baby in a manger, we don't want that to be our last picture of Jesus. Even though Jesus in a manger, you know what, that makes a, a beautiful Christmas scene, but we don't want to leave him there in that manger. We don't want to leave Jesus on that cross. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Jesus wants to take up his abode in your heart. That is the resting place for Christ. That's how God designed it. We need Jesus. We need to open our hearts. If you haven't done that this morning, I would encourage you, take this opportunity Humble yourself. Call on the name of the Lord. Invite him in and Jesus will come in. He'll transform your life. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things will be passed away. Behold, all things will become new. That invitation, that gift of salvation is still being extended today. You know, the Lord has a wonderful gift exchange program. And he invites you to be a part of that. Look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. These are some messianic promises that Isaiah himself, they wrote about Jesus 700 years before Christ ever came, but he wrote here under inspiration of the Holy Spirit what Jesus came to do. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's a quite a gift exchange program. If you think about it, the Lord says, you know what? Bring your broken heart. Bring your mess. Bring all of those things in your life that have uh, hindered you and discouraged you. Lay them at the feet of Jesus. Jesus can make something beautiful out of your life. This very morning, 
You know, Jesus, just as he came the first time, we know the word of God tells us he's coming again. First time he came, he came as the salvation or forgiveness of sin. The next time Jesus comes, he's coming to judge sin. First time he came as a lamb. The next time he's coming back as a lion. He came the first time as a servant, but the second time when he returns with his saints and glory, he's coming back to judge the world. But today is an opportunity for you if you don't know that Prince of Peace. Get ready. Ask the Lord to come in. Take his abode up in your heart this morning. You'll find a greater peace and joy than you've ever experienced. You'll understand what Christmas is all about. But you know what? That's something you can celebrate in your heart year-round. The Lord can do that for you today. He wants to be that Prince of Peace. wants to help you this morning. May God bless you. Let's sing 478 and spend some time seeking the Lord.